A great question, but with all type of different kind of answers. It's a great question, and the question is going to be asked on September 7th in classrooms around the country and certainly in the Chippewa Valley, this question, what was the highlight of your summer? And the answer to the highlight of the summer has all kinds of different stories behind it, doesn't it? And your answer might be different than my answer. What are you looking forward to this summer? Because officially, summer kicks off this weekend. Last night, Julie went for a walk, and she said, all kinds of people are having campfires in the back. And your answer might be something like this. We're going to have a great family reunion. Or, I'm looking forward to going on vacation. Or you would say, you better say fishing. Baseball, trips, time at the cabin, time at the lake. <clears throat> I'm looking forward, as a teacher, you might say, to doing nothing reading a book, or working on an outdoor project. You have an answer, and I have an answer. And this morning, I want to simply suggest something else in the 100 days of summer. Starting today, there's 100 days till Labor Day. And sometime in there to do something this summer that you maybe never have done that would change your summer and truly be the highlight of your summer. And that would be spend an extended time or even a day with Jesus. This message is entitled, Summer is a Great Time for a Spiritual Audit. What do we mean by a spiritual audit? Well, when I was in Bible college in my second year, I had heard about how to spend a day in fasting and prayer with Jesus. But then about, about a decade ago, came across my desk this idea of a, of a spiritual audit, a, a, a time to intentionally step back and say, Lord, how are things with my heart? And so in the midst of everything that you have planned, and so before summer gets really busy, I want to be so bold as to say, would you consider blocking out or putting on your calendar just a time where you and Jesus could have some extended time. You may say, I have no idea what you're talking about. And I'm going to give you a few questions to consider and then some very practical steps as well too. Now, before you freak out and you think, that scares the living daylights out of me, I would have no idea what to do. What... What does that look like? Please know that within the history and the scope of Christianity, there are some spiritual disciplines, or if you want to call them healthy habits, or just some rhythms called silence and solitude that are powerful and will frame that and help you understand what that looks like. That's where we're going to go this morning. But first, let's pray. Last week, we had a birthday. We celebrated the birthday of the church called Pentecost. That's why there's balloons over there. And Pentecost isn't something to be forgotten. Actually, being celebrated around the church today, this is the first Sunday after Pentecost, the coming and the filling and the moving and the changing of the Holy Spirit. So the Sunday after Pentecost, a beautiful prayer came across my desk 
And I thought, oh, what a great prayer to ask the Lord to move in our hearts as we take a look at a summer spiritual audit. So I'll be reading from our friend Scotty Smith, who writes Everyday Prayers. Many of us enjoy that. It's called Continually Being Filled with the Holy Spirit. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, Christians around the world celebrated Pentecost, the day the promised Holy Spirit was poured out on a young church in Jerusalem. And thankfully, the Spirit's work continues in how we need the Holy Spirit. By your Spirit, we discover our great need. By your Spirit, your incomparable glory is shown and understood, and the gospel's total sufficiency to save us comes by your Spirit. The Spirit is the down payment and the first fruits of our final redemption and is the unbreakable guarantee that one day we will be completely like you. By the Spirit, you sealed us as your beloved, never-to-be-rejected bride. He, the Spirit, is the engagement ring wrapped around our hearts, the sign and security of our marriage to you. A wedding feast, not a judgment day, awaits us. Alleluia. <clears throat> the Holy Spirit permanently indwells us, constantly tells us we are Abba's guiltless, condemnation-free, unwavering, loved children. So we pray that you'll turn up the volume of the Holy Spirit's voice real loud. We pray that as he works inside of us, we pray that, we would help to under, that he would help us understand who the Father is and the way he does things. What a peace this will give us. It's the Spirit's delight to grow this bit of fruit of peace and all the others inside of us and among us. And Lord Jesus, we pray that you would fill us to overflowing with God, the Holy Spirit. May a fresh passion for your glory, for your kingdom, to know you, to love our neighbors and the nations, seize us and shape us on how we live until you return. So very amen, we pray in your exalted and loving name. Amen and amen. I want to invite you, if you're watching online, we're so glad that you're joining us. If you're listening on the radio, you can uh, go to our downloadable bulletin. But um, once again, I want to invite you, if you're here, to uh, find one of the bulletins and follow along and uh, write down some notes. And we're going to do some beginning questions about a spiritual audit, okay? Now, the whole idea is that sometime in the next 100 days, you'd look at your schedule and say, this morning or this afternoon, or this evening, I'm going to block it out for just time with Jesus and me. Extended time for him to do his Holy Spirit work in me. So we're going to take a look at what that means. So here are a couple just beginning questions to help us understand what that looks like about a spiritual audit. We're going to take a look at how this is framed also in the book of John as well too. Here's the first beginning question to ask. Does my family and those closest to me see authenticity in my walk with Jesus? Does my family and those closest to me see authenticity in my walk with Jesus? In John chapter 2, we come across Jesus in his very first miracle. It's the miracle at a wedding in Cana. Notice that. Don't miss the significance of that. A wedding, our family gatherings. It's actually Jesus' mother that asks him to do this miracle. And as you press in and think a little bit more about Jesus' 
family and those closest to him, you find out some interesting things that Jesus had two brothers who write two of the New Testament books. James is his brother, the book of James. Jude is his brother, the book of Jude. You pick up the fact that he had a good relationship with his mother Mary. And we understand that his family is larger. Now, obviously, families can become an idol. They can become an idol. But they're also a place where the grace of God is seen. The challenge that we have is that we're not one person in church and we're a different person out of church. In our family, my immediate family, part of our family motto is this. This is a place where love and laughter always live and we learn about forgiveness and grace. I had another pastor challenge me and speak into my heart. He said, Kirk, your family is the place where your kids need to see grace lived out and forgiveness extended because you're going to need to ask for their forgiveness as well. So the first question to ask in a spiritual audit is, does my family and those closest to me see authenticity, not perfection? If you heard that, you heard the wrong thing. But do they see authenticity? In other words, yeah. Yeah, I'm seeing someone who's asking for grace and forgiveness. Here's the second thing from the book of John, chapter 4. Does a life-giving worldview flow out of me from the living waters of Jesus? Does it, does it flow out of me? In John, chapter 4, uh, Jesus comes to a very social hub, a very key place, and he talks to a marginally loose woman who has blown through relationship after relationship after relationship, and Jesus talks about living water. She said, I'd like to have some of that living water. If you knew who was speaking to you, you would know. And then she makes this powerful, powerful statement. It's one of my favorite verses, I think, in the book of John. It says this. Come meet the man who told me everything I ever did. Could he be the Messiah? Isn't that good? Come meet the man who told me everything I ever did. Could he be the Messiah? The story goes on to say that the lady went into town and the whole community came out to see Jesus. They had to see who this person was. What an evangelist. What a testimony and what a witness. She was different. 65 years ago, five young missionaries were killed in South America, Ecuador in January of 1956. Those young missionaries were Nate Saint, Ed McCulley, Pete Fleming, Roger Udarian. Probably the most famous one was Jim Elliott. Elliott said this about life-giving water. Father, make me a crisis man. Bring those I contact to decision. Let my life not be a milepost on a single road, but a fork, that when those come my way, they may turn one way or another, because Christ lives in me. I heard that as a young man, and that impacted my life. Beginning questions, simply beginning questions to set the stage for a spiritual audit. Third one. 
Who is Jesus making me to be? Is it a posture of do not be afraid? Is that taking hold of my life or being in, contr or being in control? Is that most dominant in my life? Who is Jesus making me to be? Is it a posture of do not be afraid in the storms of life taking hold or being in control dominant in my life? My son asked me about five or six years ago, Dad, if you had one sermon to preach and you only had one sermon, what would you, what would you preach? And I said, well, I'm going to cheat. I'm going to say two sermons right now. I said, this is my second sermon. This passage of scripture, as written in all of the gospel accounts, literally changed my life, friends. And I'm not saying that exaggerating at all. Part of my story is that both of my parents suffered dementia and Alzheimer at the same time. And their and responsibility fell on my shoulders, primarily on my shoulders. And I was overwhelmed with what had to be taken, taken care of. My mom was a pack rat. She's not anymore. She's in heaven, so she's okay with that. And they had stuff, and I was literally overwhelmed, not knowing the next step. But these words changed my life. These words changed my life. Be of good cheer. It is I. Do not be afraid. I quoted those. I lived in those. I had those words tattooed on my heart. These men thought they were seeing a ghost. The word that Mark uses is phantasma. And Jesus says, "It be of good cheer. What creepy ghost says, be cheerful? Except for the one who says, ego ami. It is I, Jehovah Rapha, the one who heals, Jehovah Jireh, the one who provides, Jehovah Sabaoth, the God who fights for you, Kirk. So my question for this, for you, as we spend this time and as you look at your schedule and as you think about a summer spiritual audit, are you becoming one who is not afraid, who fears one? Or is your life dominated by wanting to be in control? And man alive, have we come through a time where things are out of control. Amen? Pretty relevant message. Finally, this. Am I becoming less religious and more gospel-focused in how I interact with others? John chapter 8. Am I becoming less religious and more gospel-focused in how I interact with others? This is a very famous passage of Scripture that a woman is caught in adultery. And those who bring her before Jesus say that our law says that we are to stone her. And Jesus makes this incredible prediction, incredible statement, and he says, those of you who are without sin cast the first stone. And they were judging her on superiority. And Jesus came for people like that. And I want you to hear repeated again and again and again rocks that are being dropped. Rocks that are being dropped. And Jesus said, where are your accusers? There are none. Then, go and sin no more. What is it like to be a gospel-focused person? 
The way you are is one of the ways is you know you're a forgiven sinner is you can forgive. If you can't forgive, it's maybe because you've forgotten you're a forgiven sinner. What does it look like to be a gospel-focused person? Well, let me give you a powerful example that comes from literature. And if you're an English lit or a literature major, please understand I'm going to butcher this and shorten this just for time. One of the best gospel-focused, how the gospel changes people's life or confronts us is found in a 19th century novel by Victor Hugo called Les Mis or Les Miserables. It's a powerful story. It's a powerful story of a, of a man who was thrown in a French prison for 19 years because he stole bread for his starving sister. For five years, he was in prison, but for 14 more years, he was in prison again because he kept trying to escape. So finally, he's put on parole. And this prisoner, prisoner 24601, has a name, and his name is... I just had brain... brain John Valjean, excuse me. But throughout the course of his life, he has a nemesis by the name of Javette who pursues him and pursues him and pursues him because Jean Valjean broke his parole. Jean Valjean has changed, though. In the course of his life, after coming out of prison after those 19 years, he becomes a kind man, a warm man. Jean Valjean becomes a leader in the community and actually adopts an orphan girl. All the while, the nemesis is trying to catch him and throw him back in prison. There's a powerful movie if you want to watch it over the holiday weekend in 2012. Hugh Jackman plays Jean Valjean and Detective Javette is played by Russell Crowe. There's a climactic scene where Grace is exposed and the pursuer now has the opportunity to kill the one who pursues him and chooses not to. Jean Valjean shows grace. And in the musical version, Russell Crowe as Javette sings these powerful words about the man who has shown him grace. Who is this man? What sort of devil to have me caught in a trap and chose to let me go free? It was his hour at last to put the seal on my faith, wipe out the past, and wash me clean of the slate. All it would take was the flick of his knife. Vengeance was his, and he gave me back my life. How can I allow this man to hold dominion over me? This desperate man whom I have hunted, he gave me my life. He gave me freedom. I should have perished by his hand. It was his right. It was his right to die as well. Instead, I live but live in hell. And my thoughts fly far apart. Can this man be believed? Shall his sins be forgiven? Shall his crimes be reprived? And must I now begin to doubt who never doubted all these years? My heart is stone and it trembles. The world I have known is lost in shadows. Is he from heaven or from hell? And does he know that granting my life today, this man has killed me even so? I am reaching, but I fall, and the stars are black and cold. And as I stare in the void of a world that cannot hold, I'll escape now from that world, from the world of Jean Valjean. There is nowhere I can turn. There is no way to go on. 
And he concludes his life. He would rather die than deal with the disorienting reality of grace. And so he jumps to his death, death over grace, control over the chaos of grace unleashed. We're gospel people. We're forgiven people. We're people who have been treated like our, we do not deserve because of the cross of Christ. So let's talk. What does it mean to spend a day with Jesus and all that? First of all, first of all, you want to be alone with Jesus. You want to be alone with Jesus. And these scriptures are printed in the, in the bulletin. And Pastor Brian read this as a call to worship from Psalm 139. All the scriptures, these three scriptures that are there, are all from David, King David, but they all come at different places or categories in his life, if you will. The first one is a song of praise called Ascents. Psalm 32 is that of thanksgiving. And then Psalm 51 has been categorized as penitential or confession. So just listen to them. Psalm 139, their key word there, if you have your Bibles, is you, you turn and you circle the word know. Listen, you've searched me and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise and you perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You're familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, Lord, you know it completely. And you hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me and too lofty for me to attain. And don't miss this. The God of the universe wants to know you and have you know him. You're kidding. He became flesh and blood for us so that we might know him. Psalm 32 has this beautiful, beautiful words. Psalm 32 said, Blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord does not count against them and whose spirit is no deceit. And when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through all my groaning all day long. Psalm 51 picks up on that as well, too. I know I'm going quickly. Hope you can follow along. Psalm 51 says, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, and blot out my transgressions, and wash me away from all my iniquities. Now, you might be thinking this morning, um, are you talking about meditation? Yes, I am, but let me differentiate something. Sometimes when we hear the word meditation, oftentimes it's used of emptying the mind with the purpose of ceasing or doing nothing. Think about that. Is that what the Bible talks about when it talks about meditating? Emptying the mind and ceasing to do nothing? No, it doesn't mean that. Christian meditation means this, filling the mind with the purpose of acting. Filling the mind with the purpose of acting or obedience or the word that we use here at Bethesda or is to eagerly respond. 
That's what it means when we meditate on the Word of God. This simple picture uh, has been really helpful, and I'm sorry if you can't see the words, but here are the fingers. The pinky, the word there, is we hear the Word of God. That's the first way that we hear the Word of God. And then, then the, the ring finger is we read the Word of God. We read it. The third is that we study it. Bible study or a study Bible, or we dig in. The fourth one is we memorize it. So if you're writing these down, it is here is the pinky, read is the ring finger, the third finger is to study, the fourth is that we memorize it, and then the fifth is the meditating. And, and I like this illustration for this reason is we know that the thumb clamps things, right? It gives strength. You ever break your thumb? It's terrible. You can't clamp. You just... And, but it's the meditating. So what, what, what does it look like to meditate? To meditate, a uh, couple things. Uh, to, to meditate, it, it means to ponder. It means to ruminate, to let it live in your heart. Uh, one of the common phrases is repetition is the mother of learning. So how do you meditate? Here are some very practical ways. First of all, rewrite the verse in your own words or read it in a different translation or ask questions about it or share it with a friend. I have a Bible app that I use called Bible Hub. I've shared that with some of you before and that helps me meditate as I look at key words to let it ruminate in your heart. Meditate on that. So what does that look like practically? It looks like this practically. You're going to have to follow me on the cameras here, Ken. I'm going to help you out here. It means meeting with Jesus. I will do this. And it's changed my life. Jesus gets the good chair. I get the one that's falling apart. I'll have a chair, and I'll spend time with him. I'll uh, grab a cup of coffee, and I literally will get another cup of coffee for Jesus, and I usually give him my good cup, okay? And I will sit across and just be alone with him. Okay? Now, I'm not, I'm not emptying my head. I'm not emptying my head. I'm meditating on the Word of God in order to eagerly respond. I'm walking through confession as I can share that with the King who loves me and cares for me. I recognize that His presence. It's not pretend like He is there he is there. And not to acknowledge that he's not there would be anti-biblical. Then I'll worship him. You mean sing? Yup. You might say, I'm not a good singer. Doesn't matter. Worship him. Thank him. Bless him. Go on the back of your deck or go by a campfire or get up early 
and sing and worship with him. For those of you who are younger, you can use Spotify and find all kinds of incredible worship songs. And those of us who are older have favorite hymns. Sing, whisper, acknowledge who he is, thank him and bless him. And see what he will do. That's the first part. Here's the second thing in your spiritual audit. As you prepare for the audit, here's the second thing. Pray for others. Pray for others. This morning in the worship bulletin, you have a couple different ways and people to pray for. One is our daily prayer notes. And then my friend Eric, my colleague Eric, mentioned both across the street and around the world. This is around the world. And then across the street is to pray for those graduating high school seniors who are about to leave home and start a brand new, brand new adventure. And also for our military chaplains. Like, so how do you pray for them? What does it mean to pray for someone like that? This is what I'm going to suggest that you do, is take a look at specifically two passages of Scripture, Ephesians 6 through 10 and Colossians 1, 3 through 6, as you spend this extended time with Jesus. As you do that, cross out the you's and put a person's name in there. And this is what it will sound like. Let's just imagine that Amy and Jason are on your hearts. And so uh, uh, praying the Scripture would sound like this. I have not give, given thank. I have not stopped giving thanks for Amy, remembering her in my prayers. I keep asking the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give Amy the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that Amy may know him better. And I pray the eyes of Amy's heart may be enlightened in order that Amy may know the hope to which she was called, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his people and with his incomparably great power for Amy. Who believes? Colossians 3, Colossians 1 through, through 3 through 6 would sound like this. Let's imagine it's Troy who's on your heart. Lord, we always thank you. You are the Father of the Lord Jesus Christ when we pray for Troy because we've heard of Troy's faith in Christ Jesus and the love Troy has for all God's people, the faith and love that springs from the hope stored up for Tr Troy in heaven and upon which he's already heard the true message of the gospel. You may have children, you may have grandchildren who may not yet know Christ. What do I do then, Pastor Kirk? Well, let me encourage you to find a friend and to commit one day a week to praying and fasting for each other's families. That would make a difference. It might be Thursday, it could be Friday. And that you pray and pray these kind of prayers. We're talking about the summer, right? What's the highlight of your summer? Extended time with Jesus, expecting, cleansing, worshiping him. Secondly, to pray for others. An extended time, and if you pray the scriptures, it's going to protect against God bless Fred, God bless Joe, that kind of thing. You're praying the scriptures and what God wants to do. Finally, pray for yourself. Pray for yourself 
Psalm 119, verse 18, and then John 4, 34 has this beautiful combination. Psalm 119, verses 18 says this. Excuse me. Show me your wondrous things. Show me your wondrous things that you have done. In John 4, 34, after Jesus has met with this woman at the well, he talks about the will of God. So ask God to show you his good and beautiful will in the next steps. So these are some practical things that you can expect or pray for when you have this time on your calendar with you and Jesus. Be observant for what you are to do. Look for renewed convictions and look for specific directions. As you pray for yourself, be observant on what you're to do. What does God lay on your heart to do? It might be renewed convictions. And then finally, some specific directions. So what's the goal of this? Why did you select this message? Or why are we talking about it on Memorial Day? The goal of it can be summarized in what the Apostle Paul shared in a testimony in Acts 22, 6 through 10. When he gave his story of God radically getting a hold of his life, stopping him on the road to Damascus. And he asked two questions. Lord, who are you? Second question. Lord, what should I do? So let me conclude with this story. Powerful story of how habits form a person and reflect a person. When a uh, U.S. president dies as a history major, one of the things that I've learned is that you find out more of their story. And uh, 15 years ago, our 38th president passed away. And they did some digging in his life. Our 38th president came at a time in the United States where we were very divided, where we were at war with one another in anger. And the country was on edge. President Gerald Ford came into office and only served for two years. And those two years were very tenuous in our country. In 1972 through 1974, so, excuse me, 74 through 76. Well, one of the things that came up in uh, President Ford's after he died was one of the things that he prayed for every night, and he didn't let people know about this, was he prayed, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding, and all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct thy paths. He prayed that every night, beginning as a young boy. He would pray that prayer, asking God for wisdom, President Ford. But there was another habit that he had that was pretty fun, that reflected who he was. Uh, President Ford was a congressman from Michigan, and when he was in high school, his state high school team won the 1930 Michigan High School state championship and there were 30 guys on that team and so they decided 
that they were going to celebrate every year at Thanksgiving, their state championship. They called themselves the 30 for 30 club. 30-30 club. And for 44 years plus, they met on Thanksgiving. Even when President, President Ford was a congressman, he missed a few of them because of his travel schedule. But in the fall of 1974, in November of 1974, the President of the United States invited the 3030 Club to the White House for their annual meeting. And the story is told that as President Ford became more and more and more famous, some of the guys in the 3030 Club wondered if he still remembered them. <laughs> and the response was, I'm still the same old Jerry. When he died, words like integrity and honesty and openness and work ethic were used. It was a habit that he had. It was something that he did, not very flashy. It made press, obviously, when he's the president. But I thought to myself, man, wouldn't it have been fun to be a friend of Jerry's? And just kind of watch how God worked in his life. Watch and see what the Lord wants to do. When the two of you just sit down, it doesn't have to be flashy. It could be an hour and a half. It could be the day. It could be half the day. But I hope that you will take a look at your calendar, your planning, what you have coming up this summer. And before the busyness of the summer hits, and it all gets filled. You'll grab a couple chairs, a couple coffee cups, and just spend this time developing a habit that will impact you. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you that you want to meet us. You, you, you're actually, you want to know us. And what's even more mind-boggling than that is we can know you. You've given us your word. You've given us the power of the Holy Spirit. You've given us this beautiful invitation, and we can know you. So as we are on the cusp of summer, I pray for these sisters and brothers in Christ, this church family known as Bethesda, and I pray that all over the Chippewa Valley in different ways and different uh, options or whatever the case may be, your daughters and sons will just spend time in your presence, alone with you, expecting, worshiping, interceding, thanking, and praying. And you'll change us. Amen and amen.